Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Love Hour podcast. I am your host, Miss Kev on stage. I have not had coffee today, so I will be calm. I've been drinking water. She's six days clean <laughs> off of McDonald's Frappuccinos. Nestle, <laughs> reach out though, okay? Um, we are back with another episode. This will be the first episode in a series in which we are talking about fertility, infertility, and the... Um, I've even in my book club, I've called it the silent pain associated with going to the journey of fertility and infertility. And if I'm being 110% honest, uh, this is a, a an area that I am pretty ignorant in. And uh, Me after too, so I'm gonna be very quiet. <laughs> I learned myself shut your mouth when you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's what I will be doing as well. <laughs> I um, We did the Four Women Only series back in October. If you haven't checked that out, most definitely you absolutely should check that out. When we had three or four black OBGYNs come in or gynecologists come in and they educated us about the women's body, okay? Like they were here and giving us all the information that we didn't know we didn't know. And it was really, really great. And one of the last uh, gynecologists that I talked to, Dr. Jessica Shepard came on and she was talking about fibroids and PCOS and just a lot of things and how those, um, some of the issues that I was even unfamiliar with can impact fertility. And it was at that moment that I was like, I need to do a fertility and fertility series. And I kind of sat on it and didn't do anything. And one of my favorite YouTubers of all time, she is absolutely one of my favorite YouTubers of all time. Her name is Desi Perkins. And she mm -hmm. just, um, she, have you heard of her story? I'm going to introduce you. I'm doing all of this to introduce you. Um, but she is absolutely one of my favorite YouTubers. And she has, over the course of the, the, the years that she's been on YouTube, dropped tense and more vocally or lately more vocal about her infertility journey and she started releasing some of the footage and when i tell you i was in full-blown tears listen i came downstairs and melissa was crying at the in, in the kitchen island eating cereal i was like are you okay she was like desi's pregnant <laughs> i was like the youtuber you follow she was like, I've been invested for a long time. <laughs> I've been. She did. It was like episode three or four where she actually announced that she. It was a beautiful she, pregnancy. It was, a be it, was it was so beautiful. It was so really well done. And I was. I mean, listen. My heart, my emotions, everything is just completely wrapped up into this story. And I was like, I need to do this. After watching her journey and just seeing so much that I just am unaware, um, I was like, I need to do this. Then couple that with, I have a book club, shout out to the booze. And we were reading this book and in the book, they touched on infertility and i was like girl if this ain't a sign from the lord himself that you need to do this you need to do this and so i immediately reached out on my social media and was asking people for um experts to bring on guests to bring on because i wanted to hear real people's stories as well and dr stevon lewis or dr uh stevon lewis is uh, an mft that we had on the podcast an absolute fave recommended dr Lori johnson and i was like if he if she's good with him she's good with me <laughs> so i started following her reached out to her and now she is a guest on the podcast all of that was to introduce you thank you so much dr Lori johnson for being here with us today 
Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you are addressing this topic and I'm really excited to be here, um, not just as a professional, but also as a member of the infertility community. So just looking forward to sharing whatever I know. One of the reasons that I was like immediately like, yes, this is something mm -hmm. I must do is because while I will have and I do have um, I'm not quite sure what infertility doctors are called, but they're like like almost experts in the field. I'm not quite sure if there's an actual like gynecologist term. There is. They're called REIs, and um, so or reproductive endocrinologists um, is one term as well. Or REI stands for reproductive endocrinology um, and infertility. So definitely someone who is um, a GYN who has a subspecialty in infertility issues. Got it. Okay, got it. So I do have two REIs coming on mm -hmm. the podcast later this month. And then I have two people that will be sharing their story. One, no, yeah, two people that will be sharing their story as well. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting about Dr. Lori is that she's on the mental health side. So in addition to hearing actual people's story, understanding what's going on in the body. We also, it's important for us to recognize what's going on in our mind as well. And I don't think that's something that people often think about as they're going through this journey. And especially when I have Rachel on next week, uh, you'll definitely be able to see the importance of making sure you're taking care of your mental health as you're going through this as well. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really, I think this is going to be a really great conversation. So I guess just to kind of get started, you mentioned um, that you are also a part of the, the infertility community, I believe is what you said. So if you want to give us a little bit of your background and then a little bit of your story as well. Absolutely. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and coach. So I've been in the field for over 20 years. And, um, and when I started, I was probably working mainly with kids and their families and then transitioned to, to private practice where I started working more with, with professional women. And so you can't work with women and not deal with reproductive issues and women's mental health. And so that was before my own journey, but, you know, I'd already started to hear stories of, you know, women being concerned about their fertility late in life. Um, there's no secret that, you know, women are waiting later to couple or people in general are waiting later to couple, which means that people are waiting, waiting later to um, start their families. And so when you don't know where you stand in terms of, you know, fertility, you've never been pregnant before, and you don't know much about your hormonal kind of system, you know, there are women who just really didn't know a lot about um, their cycles from a biological standpoint mm -hmm. and then dealing with the emotional fallout from that um, because it's like, wow, now I'm 38 and I don't know what this means and I'm feeling this anxiety. And when you're trying to process this wealth of medical information, um, you know, anxiety levels go up. And so that's what I started to kind of deal with primarily. And then what started to happen was, you know, I got married later in life um, and then never been pregnant, decided to, you know, if we were... You you know, married six months, it's like, okay, well, we should go ahead and try. And, um, and uh, that started my, my own journey of, you know, getting pregnant and then losing my pregnancies. And, um, and so I probably got pregnant four times within about four years and lost, you know, all of those pregnancies and went through a year and a half of infertility treatments as well. And um, so it's, it's, it's a grind. It's, it's grueling. And a lot of what impacted how I work today was my experience of going through this as a therapist and knowing that 
you know, I remember going into the consultations off the, you know, the doctor, the consultation with the REI, and there was really no attention paid to, you know, the emotional health. It was just, you know, I got a lot of medical information. And so once you find out, all right, this is your kind of diagnosis, and you go through a series of blood tests and ultrasounds and other diagnostic procedures to kind of lead you to your, um, your, your kind of treatment plan, so to speak. And so there's the overwhelming information that you are kind of processing. And then, like I said, this mental health component that is just like, I can't even wrap my brain around all of this. Um, You're telling me I have to take, start taking all these medications and I'm going to have to do what, and you're going to, you know, poke me here and all of that. Um, So that is, it's, it's, it's draining. And, and one of the things that we started to see, and, you know, I noticed just as a mental health professional, it's just, you know, the doctors are great about the science. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I'd wished uh, at very early on was that, you know, they would say, you know, you need to make sure that you're connected to a support group or, you know, make sure you're in your own therapy. And, and because I was a therapist, I was able to piece that together myself. But I also started to see more women who weren't getting those directives. And so, you know, it became this kind of scramble to make sure that they had all of the emotional support that they needed to go along with that and normalizing their experience of, you know, anxiety or depression or just, you know, maybe just paralysis because of just the sheer volume of what they were going through. And, you know, in the world, the infertility world can be very frenzied in and of itself. Um, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing in terms of, you know, the science that's there to help us grow our families. And it's not something that anybody really prepares for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting over the initial shock and loss of even having to to do that is 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 one thing. And then when you're you're in it and going through it, then that's a whole different kind of kind of story. So, so that really kind of impacted how I wanted to work with this community in particular because, um, you know, it's something there's there's like this code of silence in the Black community in particular around mental health you know issues that I think is definitely shifting mm-hmm. um, but the, the silence around infertility issues is, is still there and mm-hmm. um, and so that's another reason why I'm really glad that you're having a series about that because we need to be talking about this because it, it, it impacts us you know far more than our white counterparts and that's something that you know I don't think a lot of us even knew about so why does everything impact black people more than white counterparts <laughs> literally everything impacts us is there, do you know why, why that is? Is it because of like similar reasons to COVID, like less access to resources and things like that? I think it's less access to resources. I'm, I'm also going to call it, you know, what I, what I see is, is I think there's some, there's some underlying kind of racism that, you know, in terms of, you know, like how we are, um, just how we feel about, inter, you know, interfacing with the medical community in and of itself. Mm. You have... Um, you know, very early on in my journey, and I hope it's okay to talk a little bit more about my personal journey because it definitely impacts, um, you know, how I work. Um, but you know, I, I have fibroids. Um, I've had them since my mid twenties and I was misdiagnosed because my doctor Mm. had an assumption about me. Um, she diagnosed me with pelvic inflammatory disease, even though I told her I, you know, I had one sexual partner, um, and not many and, you know, no, no offense to, you know, if you have multiple sexual partners, it was just one of those things where, um, the diagnosis didn't necessarily fit my presentation. And so Mm. one of the things that we see too, in the data, is you have a lot more women, black women who, um, you know, who um, haven't, who haven't been diagnosed properly, because they assume that, you know, it's something else as opposed to, um, you know, to to what it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so that level of stress and, you know, and, and what we're starting to see in some of the data that's coming out, and I'm sure your doc, your REIs will probably talk to this a little bit more intelligently than I can, but they're, they're coming around to looking at the fact that, you know what, the numbers are different. We right. might have, so for an IVF in particular, black women actually might make more embryos than their white counterparts, but they have less success in, in outcomes in terms of it leading to a pregnancy. So when you control for certain factors, you know, like economics and age and weight and you know all of the, the kind of um, kind of major factors you know these issues around race you know continue to kind of rise and let us know that there's some disparities here there's right. some disparities so it's it's access it's 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 knowledge it's also you know finding somebody who you know who, who, who looks like you and who, mm -hmm. who really understands um, you know who you are culturally and how that right. might be and how you might be presenting um, medically. And so then when you also kind of, you know, weave in the mental health portion of that too, um, having a mental health professional or, you know, coach just to really hold that space for you around these issues becomes even more kind of paramount. And those are things that we just haven't been, you know, you know kind of done, you know, for the most part. Well, that's really um, good and kind of a lot of information to take <laughs> in, especially when you think about there's so many things that impact people of color and very specifically black people in America mm -hmm. that we have to be more diligent yes. about in order to make sure that uh, we can advocate for ourselves. And we don't always know we go into the doctor and you just kind of trust what the doctor tells you mm -hmm. and you don't realize um, how much um, uh, bias goes into how they're right. treating you, how they're diagnosing you. You just kind of, this is science Pain and it's tolerance. medical, right? All exactly. of that kind of goes, and you don't think about those things on the surface. You yeah. don't. You don't. And, you know, and as someone who suffered from fibroids and also suffered from endometriosis, and, and, and you'll see this a lot with, with women who do suffer from, from endo, is that um, there feels like a sense of like gaslighting um, and, and mm. because there's a lot of invisible pain, so to speak. And, you know, and so when I had this, when I was diagnosed with fibroids for the first time, you know, she kept saying, you know, no, it's PID, it's pelvic inflammatory disease. And I'm like, mm -hmm, you know, and come find out I have, you know, a grapefruit size and a lemon size fibroid literally wow. growing out of my uterus that you couldn't necessarily feel when, you know, they do their exams. So, you know, it just leaves you feeling like, um, you know, just not seen and, and, and taken seriously. And, and therefore, you know, you need to kind of advocate for yourself. Oh, but, right. you know, it's hard to know how you need to advocate when you don't really have the information too, right. and you're piecing it together. So I, I'm yeah. glad that we're, we're talking about this. Oh, so good. Uh, we want to take a break here to hear a word from our sponsors. Summer is in full action, and we're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping us fresh. Sun's out, bum's out, and hopefully your pubes are not out. Manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed above and below the belt. Let me tell you what. Not only do I shave my ball sack, I also put ball sack deodorant on it, and my balls have been thanking me. I wake up in the morning, and my balls are like, hey, man. You know the outcast song we like? So fresh and so clean, clean. Dun, 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 dun. My balls are fresh and clean. I gave my a haircut. I wiped them down, wet them, cleaned them, and put ball deodorant on them. Oh, yeah. Everybody likes them. Listen, everybody. <laughs> Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is perfect to add on to their lawn 
More 3.0, perfect package. No one likes ungroomed set of feet, fingers, and most importantly, balls. That's why they have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. The perfect package 3.0 kit comes with essential lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body chipper, <laughs> and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Some of that liquid is ball deodorant. It actually comes in liquid form. And my balls still smell good. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave or a ball cleanup. The third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accents. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code LOVEHOUR, Love Hour. at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOVEHOUR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code LOVEHOUR. LOVEHOUR. Summer is here. It's time to manscape your ball sack. Okay, so let's talk about, first of all, really great baseline, even just in that. I think if you're listening to this and you're kind of on your own journey, number one, advocate for yourself. Number two, find somebody that look like you. Uh, yes. Find somebody that looks like you and can understand you and will actually listen, listen to you. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to Joy. Uh, she was a black doctor and she was saying, uh, even if it's a black person, like never feel ashamed to ask for a second opinion. Like we feel like we have to get a take a second opinion. You can get a second opinion, third opinion. Right. It's, it's your, she was saying it's your body and yeah. you, you don't have to take the first thing because right. you know, doctors are people, right. But they are yeah. doing their diagnosis, but someone else might see it differently. And a lot of times, you know, you, Dr. Lloyd was saying, uh, we have some mistrust with the, the, the medical, medical community. community. And you can also just take people's word point blank and accept that. So, um, I think there's a lot of things in our life that we don't have to take as right. as rule right. and law the first time just because uh, somebody says it. Because you, you can be dis misdiagnosed in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And then you are the one who ends up being the recipient of more pain and harm. And the doctor's like, oh, you know, my bad. Shoot, yeah. you should have said something. You're like, but I told you the first time. And it, you, yeah, and it, it affects us. I'm going to get to you really. I have a very specific question that'll keep the conversation okay. going, but I just kind of want to like land on this point because we're making it that this is not just in the medical field. I just posted this actually on Instagram today, even about children, black children being sent to the principal and being diagnosed yeah. with ADHD yeah. and ADD and all of these things. And that's not the case. Yep. And right. so even then being an advocate for your child and not just, you know, taking whatever the teachers yes. or whatever, you know, your, your child is bad. They're misbehaving. They're this, and Karen's they're that. working the school district right. too. Exactly. So all of that goes to making sure that we are advocating for ourselves. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now that we're oh, yeah. there, I want to talk about what, as, as you went through your journey and now you've become a professional coach and a therapist in this field, what are some things that you would recommend couples do um, in if they're going through this journey? So, I, you know, I think that first and foremost, um, you know, support is, is key and don't lose sight of what made you a couple to begin with. Um, it is so easy once you, once you take the first step towards treatment, and I want to be really clear because, you know, pursuing fertility treatment does not always equal IVF. Um, it, it, that's just, it becomes synonymous with that because that's what we know the most, but um, it could IVF. be. Could you explain um, IVF and. Is that in vitro? Uh, yeah. In vitro. 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 
Yes. So we have intrauterine um, insemination, which is IUI, and with which means that um, they take the partner's sperm and they physically inject it into the, the woman at a certain point of her cycle when she's, you know, um, at point of ov ovulation. And so the thought is, is that you're kind of helping give the sperm a, a you know, kind of a head start, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And there are certain cases where that is indicated. Um, and even before you get to an IUI, they do what we call like medicated cycles, where you would just take um, uh, medications to help boost your, your ovulation, just depending on what your issue is. Now, when so, you say boost your ov ovulation, what does that, what does that mean? So what that means is because it's it's one of the more common issues that's, that affects infertility or fertility is um, women might not ovulate. Um, they might not know when they ovulate or they might not ovulate at all. So the medication is there and typically it's Clomid, which is to kind of give a little, you know, oh, give I the body a little bit of a, a boost mm -hmm. um, to, to help with that. And then um, the idea is that um, you're just kind of supporting the system and doing what it already can do. Um, so, that's so does that mean... I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to understand. When you say ovulate, that means they don't produce an egg during each cycle or they're not well, having a cycle? Well, they're, they're, they could be having a cycle, but it just means that they might not be releasing the egg. Okay, and got because it. Because ovulating, you know, it means you're reducing an, you know, releasing an egg to be ready to, uh, to meet the sperm. To, okay, to got it. So, um, you know, and that's one of the issues around fertility, you know, obviously ovulation issues fibroids, endometriosis, things like that. Um, so, you know, regardless of what your treatment plan is as a couple, um, you know, it's so easy to get kind of swept up into doctor's appointments, um, schedules around taking medications that, you know, it can be a lot to manage with um, your, your regular kind of schedule. So I just really advise my couples to make sure that they're having their, their date time um, to literally put that on the calendar. Don't necessarily expect the same level of spontaneity that you might've enjoyed before. It's mm -hmm. okay to have something on your calendar to look for forward to. Um, because again, when you're fielding so much information that can be very overwhelming, people tend to get a little tired or just a little like disorganized or anxious and, you know, just not themselves. Um, so making sure that you're doing things that, you know, that, that bring you joy, that, that, that are the things that, you know, that, that make you a, a couple. So go out to dinner with friends. Don't talk about your fertility issues if you don't need to, or talk about them if you need to, you get to decide that for yourself. Um, but don't stop being a, a couple. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that can be, I think, hardest for, for, for the couples that I deal with. I think that's really a really key point because I can imagine the process almost bringing a yeah. separator because it brings so yeah. much stress. Listen, man, that stress, even it's, during this pandemic, I've been more aware of like, uh, stress factors on your marriage, even ones yeah. that are not necessarily caused by you mm -hmm. can yes. have that same effect. So, you know, one, both of you wanting kids or maybe one wanting one more than the other and not feeling like we're aligned. So maybe you're not in this with me. Right. And, and then just the, the loss of maybe a failed attempt. Like I could see you being so discouraged, like overall. And then to add to that, it's, you know, society saying, you know, you, you, you've got to do this. You know what I mean? It's just like more and more stuff you have to think about that I can imagine you just being like, man, uh, like yeah, there's yeah. so much to deal with this. You know, I feel like you can, you would need therapy just to go through this process. You know and what I mean? What, 
And that's why we're really promoting that even more because, you know, when you mentioned the word loss, it is a grieving process to mm -hmm. even go to see an REI. It means admitting that, you know what, things aren't happening naturally and you have to mm -hmm. mourn the loss of the fact that, you know what, you're not going to have a child the same way that oh, yeah. your friends and family, you know? Yeah. And so, and one of the things too, is it's a constant grieving process that doesn't stop. Um, even if you are making the decision under the best of circumstances, um, when you, you know, are, and, and there's certain points where like, if you're at IVF, which is, you know, intra, um, you know, in vitro fertilization, excuse me, um, where you, you might have, you know, um, you're, you're doing the, the, the egg retrieval, which is another kind of loss for, for, for women. But, you know, there's also this weird kind of piece around excitement. Um, and then you're doing the transfer. And, you know, there are different ways that men and women or, you know, the couple kind of respond to this along the way. And so, you know, there's this excitement, but then also this, this loss that they're kind of mourning. So I think kind of learning to hold that, you know, hold the two and knowing that you know you might not be on the same page at the same time you know and, right. and that's what they do. um you know and the thing is the majority of fertility treatments are happening to the woman's body even if there might be male factor issues as we call it um you know and and that becomes another dynamic that couples have to you know kind of contend with you know and and if one person wants to continue with treatment or the other person wants to take a break it's like yeah. you know if you're there's really a lot of support that needs to be in place, you know, to kind of normalize that, you know, and to help remind couples that, you know what, even though you're having different reactions, you still are on the same team and how can you continue to operate that way? Okay. So you just had like three points that Man, I'm going to try to remember. One, two, three. Yeah, we didn't I, have no chance to, yeah, to, to take the punch. I kind of want to flush them out because I feel like okay. it might be helpful for people. So okay. point number one that I wanted to flush out is, well, let's start with the heavy hitter because I don't want to forget it. What advice do you have for the men out there that are the, what did you call it? the contributing factor? Yes. So we have, when we think about, you know, fertility, you know, we talk about male factor or male female factor. factor. Okay. And yes. So is it the, is it the female? Is it the male? Or it could be both actually. Okay. So can we talk about when the, when it's the male is the factor mm -hmm. and his, like what things that we can offer the wife maybe can offer to support or maybe the man can offer to the woman in support of her, because regardless of who is the factor, primarily the woman is going through mm -hmm. the treatments and yeah. getting the whatever it is. So can we talk about those dynamics and what couples are going through and maybe offer some skills that they can kind of use to go through the process? Well, you know, I think some of the, the advice that I got really early on that I've kind of passed on um, is these, the majority of treatments are happening to the woman and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. her body. So, um, she is usually going through the more invasive tests, um, at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and usually the testing for the men is they, you know, ejaculate into a cup. And so it's, it's, it's not invasive. It might be a little embarrassing because you're having to go yeah. to a doctor's office, um, which brings up a whole host of, you know, kind of issues about, you know, can I even do this in a doctor's office? And I'm not in a space that I feel safe, but, um, comparatively speaking, I think that, you know, having some recognition uh, to the fact that, you know, one person is going to feel this differently. And, and 
So I think for, for men to, you know, the male partners to be really sensitive to the fact that, you know, the women are going to be taking the hormones and, yeah. you know, we know when you start, you know, kind of adding additional hormones into the picture that can, you know, their mood changes, their skin changes and other bodily changes, you know, your body is literally going through a lot of, you know, of, of stuff at the same time. And so again, you know, depending on what the male issue is, um, you know, and some male factor issues can be improved with just lifestyle issues. So, you know, the way that I think a woman can support, you know, her partner is, you know, those changes could happen together. And, you know, let's make this a team effort mm -hmm. where, you know, it's not just you having to make a lifestyle change. We're just going to make it as a couple. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's not um, something that it's his issue or it's her right. issue. It's like, okay, this is our issue. So, um, you know, and I think it's just being open to, you know, ways that your partner might want support that you might not even be aware of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and just being open to that. I mean, anything goes at, at this point. And I just yeah. like to help couples notice, and, you know, kind of really honor just because of what's worked for one couple doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. So let's, what is, what's working for you? And let's so. Somebody in the comments on Patreon said something um, <laughs> that I feel like is so a, a thing I hadn't thought about. Even the, the you, you touched on this a little bit earlier about going mm -hmm. to a doctor and realizing that you might not be able to get pregnant the, the way other people do. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself, the, the, the term they use was broken. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I'm broken if mm -hmm. I'm, you know, you know, you're taught this is how the human body is supposed to work. And for whatever reason, it's not yeah. working like that for right. me. And right. I, I can even just that before you even go to the doctor or anything like that, even before you realize you might have an issue, it's just like, man, we you know, we've been trying for a while. I haven't even had that. What's wrong yes. with me? Right. Like yes. even just what's wrong with me is a, right. is a hard question to sit with. Like, why am I not doing what? And then, you know, then you add to maybe other people where it seems easy for right. people right. to get pregnant right. uh, w w without, you know, doctors. And then other people who go through fertility, like, Oh, just, it's kind of like, I have a friend, uh, a friend of mine who's a YouTuber, a man, uh, it's kind of a little aside, but it, I see, I've seen this happen to him a lot of time. He has really bad acne. Mm -hmm. And he's had it for all his life. And mm -hmm. every time he talks about it publicly, people always respond with drink more water, it's, cut out dairy, do this. And he's like, if you guys don't think I have already tried right. that, right. if you think it was as easy as drinking water and, and cutting out dairy and I didn't try that, you yes. know, but people think they're helping by saying, yeah. oh yeah, a friend of mine just cut out dairy. Yeah, maybe that works for some people, but maybe right. other people it doesn't work. Right. And it's not right. entirely helpful to suggest no. something when you don't know what you're talking about and it doesn't work. And to think, maybe you think I haven't tried that? Right. I'm 30 yeah. years old. You think I haven't tried to cut out dairy? Exactly. And that's just somebody's skin. Right. Now right. taking that further to you know having a baby, I'd be like, I would be in a low constant state of rage. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> But, and you know what, to piggyback on that, though, because I, I think that that exists, too, because um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, women, couples, and women get the questions more than the men do about, like, mm -hmm. when are you having kids, you know, because it, and that's, that's a whole other kind of conversation. But if, you know, if I hear, you know what, just relax or go on vacation, you know, one more time, you know, that's not helpful, you know, to, to the couples. You go know? on vacation, people say yes. that, or yeah. it'll happen when well, you stop thinking about it. It will happen when you stop thinking about it, or have you thought about adoption, or you know, all of those things. And it's like, you know, guaranteed, if somebody is walking into an REI's office, they have considered a whole host of. Oh boy, of, I know I would be you know, like, if you don't get out of my face with this. <laughs> 
and some people do get the look. Um, but, you know, the other piece, too, that I think is so important, you know, and you've touched on this a little bit, or we might have talked about this earlier, but the, the, the misconceptions that we have about our own fertility within the community. And, and I had that myself, mm -hmm. you know, um, this idea that, you know, what fertility issues aren't necessarily something that we struggle with. That's something that, you know, that's, that's for, for, for white people. And come find out, and this is data that's come out and confirmed within the last, you know, few years, we are, you know, two times as likely to have issues with fertility than our white counterparts, but 50% less, you know, willing to, or, you know, like in terms of accessing that, um, you know, that. So I just think those stereotypes around, you know, fertility are still embedded in our communities, um, you know, that, that, that just make people a bit hard for people to, to reconcile. And I think another mistake that I can see is when something hasn't affected you or anyone like you, then you're mm -hmm. more likely to say the things that you just said. Yes. Because it's not something you, you you have much experience in. And I can see you right. falling into a uh, those, those you know, cliched statements, maybe not cliche, but those statements mm -hmm. that you just mentioned, yeah. thinking you're being helpful and, yeah. and right. you really just don't know much of anything because it's not a, it's not a thing that's really talked about publicly that, that often. Frankly, when Melissa said this series, I was like, should I even be here? Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, mm -hmm. people, there's husbands out there who don't know yeah. either, you know, so... Um, yeah. it's definitely a layered, uh, yeah. thing. It's not just one thing. There's so much that, that goes into it. There is. And I think for the men too, and I, I do appreciate you being here and, you know, just, and, and I love your, you know, just you all as a couple and how you kind of put yourself out there. Thank, thank, you, thank you. you. We work really hard. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. It gives me chills. I love that. Um, <laughs> you know, because it, it is harder for, for, for men, you know, to talk about, you know, just fertility issues. And, you know, I know it was hard for my husband to talk, you know, and he's kind of let me take the lead since it was mainly impacting me, but, you know, just other, you know, couples that I've worked with and where there have been male factors. I mean, there's just been this, a, a little, like the shame that, yeah goes along yeah. with you know what wow I, I've, I've got issues with my sperm and you know and it's and and somehow that became a reflection of his manhood and oh yeah right uh, oh yeah I could see that a, a, a mile away yeah yeah sure. yeah and, oh yeah and so we have a medical like a truly a medical issue that that's happening for for people you know fertility is a infertility in, in and of itself is a, is a is a medical term you know and so that means that there's something going on with you know your reproductive cycle and mm -hmm. sometimes that can be solved with you know with lifestyle changes but you know and sometimes it, it can and we, that's why we've we've got the beauty of science to help us along the way but it's recognizing that you know what these are things that are out of our control. Um, but what is in our control is how we deal with it mm -hmm. and how we approach it. Um, and, you know, and, and being our advocate, our own best advocate and, and gathering the supports where we need to, you know, so. Yeah. You have a very soothing voice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just want to tell you other things in my life. Like, listen, also, this is everything is cool. Listen, I've been struggling with my mental. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? I just, you're know, very like Tabitha Brown esque. Yeah. Soothe, soothing about you. I think that's what therapists have. Yes. Therapists therapist. have to have that yeah. welcoming, like, it's okay. What's wrong? Like, <laughs> I was a baby and my dad tripped me and they laughed. You know, it's funny. I'm joking, but. When I was a kid, we were playing football mm -hmm. with my uncle, and he never visited that much. 
And on the last play, he said, I'm going to throw it to you, Kevin. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> and I was not very fast. Another kid on my team was fast. He threw it to him. That kid scored a touchdown. Monk was like, I'm done playing. And I never forgave him for that. <laughs> I was like, you said you were passing it to me. He was like, but we won. I was like, I don't care if we won. I want to catch the ball. And randomly, that memory will pop up in my head. And that I'm 37. Rather. And he going to uh, throw that ball. I'm about to go to Detroit. I'm going to have a show in Detroit, and we're going to set up a football game, and he's going to throw me that ball like he said. And I was like, why do you – it's so crazy how you remember random things like that. It is. But I, he really going to have to answer for those crimes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think on that note, we can take a break here. Okay. We want to tell you guys really quickly about Green Chef. While we're talking about showing up for anybody in your life that's going through the grieving process or – perhaps experiencing infertility green chef is actually a really easy way to show up for your friends send them a meal so they at least can have that off of their plate we just had green chef we got the hold on i took a picture of the meal so i don't forget so hold on it's like a philly cheesesteak it's called a ground beef cheesesteak melt um, this is a really kid-friendly meal. It's really, really easy because they pre-package all of the ingredients. They are pre-proportioned, really, really easy to put together. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide array of easy to follow lifestyles with select organic ingredients. Recipes are quick, they are, and easy with step-by-step -step instructions, chef tips, and photos. I especially love the photos um, because they make, <laughs> I'm trying to make my meal like how your meal is looking. Okay, that's how I know I'm doing it correctly. Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust seasonally source for peak freshness recipes include pre-made measured sauces dressings and spices so you can get more flavor in less time meal plants include include paleo plant-powered keto and balanced living use code love hour 80 love hour 80 to get $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Again, you're going to go to greenchef.com slash lovehour80 lovehour80 to redeem and for more details. Use code lovehour80 to get $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com slash lovehour80 to Love redeem and for more details. Uh, all right, and we're back. And so I want to dive a little bit um, deeper. I know we talked a little bit about uh, the things men can do, or I I'm not quite sure we actually really deep dived into that about like the shame. I, I believe a couple would experience, men would experience, women would experience as they're going through the infertility treatments and how to make sure that this doesn't cause a divide. Because I would even believe that sex would become a chore mm -hmm. because it's all about like timing and the cycle. And now it's all about the reproduction and not about the pleasure of sex. Right. Can we even talk? I mean, yeah. I, I kind of threw a lot of things out there, but can uh, we talk about those things as well? 
Absolutely. You know, we can start with the, the sex piece because I feel like that is probably um, the, the, the most prevalent and, you know, what I see too in terms of, you know, couples really needing to find their way back to them, to each other sexually. Um, because one thing that can happen before you get into the crux of like some of the heavier duty kind of fertility treatments is they will do what they call monitor your cycle. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is when they start monitoring, they ask you like, when are you starting? And then, you know, when you're getting closer to ovulation, you have to start tracking and then you have to go into the doctor's office and then they, you know, look at you and then they tell you to yeah. go home and have sex. So, you know, very scientific. It I, is. You know what I mean? Like I can imagine it's hard to then get in the mood for like the romantic part of sex yeah. as well when it's very like rigorous. Yeah. Uh, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's where some of the well-meaning advice comes in around, you know, just relax or have fun with it. And it's like, well, you know, it's fine when it's on your own terms, but when it's right. on somebody else's terms, it mm. changes the dynamic. And, you know, so it can, I think, create this division because, you know, what, what happens when you're ovulating and you're in the middle of a fight and the last thing that you want to do is be intimate with your partner. Mm. Um, you, and you have you the have time to, issue of it, like, but we also time. need to, it's like, so critical. I don't like you right now, though. Right. I don't like if we and miss this so, moment, we might not get another moment till next month. Right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. that's a lot. So when you think about all of that pressure, so again, the mental health piece of it is really how can we take some of the, the pressure off, you know, and, you know, and help couples feel more in control of, you know, what interventions do they want, even want to take um, and what ways can they feel um, like they have more freedom over their, their intimacy. Um, some people like that's where the, the whole date night is, is helpful or even going away on trips just mm -hmm. so that they don't have the same associations, um, right. you know, being at home. I'm really a big fan of changing the scenery a little bit because when you start to associate, you know, this is why also, you know, people will change doctor's offices sometimes after they've had a failed result because that association, mm -hmm. that negative association is there. I see that. You, yeah. I know? See that. So, you don't know um, what you're talking about. It didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Or you know what? Um, but emotionally have, too. Yeah. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I can associate now this place is like, this is an officially a failed attempt right. and your mind, yeah. you, you go back to there yeah. and, and, yes. and you're met with the hope yeah, of what replaying. you had the first time. Right. Exactly. And now that hope is, you know, it's, you, you've lost that. I will be exactly. like, Man, yeah. And, and, and yeah. that's part of, that's part of the continued grieving process that goes along with fertility month after month. Mm. So every time a woman gets her cycle, you know, it's like a, it's like a flipping funeral because it means that, you know what, oh. you know, the procedure didn't work. And then on top of it, in addition to the emotional investment, you've got the financial investment on top of it. Oh. And then you're seeing somebody else. And then else. you're also just on your period too. Exactly. Exactly. Enough. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. So, so that's oh a lot. Oh my gosh. And, you know, and so, you know, just even, so that piece, it's, it's a lot to kind of help couples take back, you know, power in their sexual relationship. And sometimes that might mean taking a break from treatments um, to help them feel just more yeah. normal, um, you know, and then again, you know, just depending on what their styles of grief look like, um, you know, I, I, some are more expressive, um, you know, and sometimes women are more expressive with their grief than their partners are. And so, um, you know, I know my husband was always really good about just letting me have my little moments um, and, you know, just listening and not fixing, <laughs> even though he had this look sometimes. And he was just like, I'm, I realize how <laughs> important that is for me too. What? And, yes. to listen and not fix. Yes. Oh, boy, I suck at that. 
Yes. And, you know, sometimes I do too, even though it's my, my job, because, you know, I feel that energy for people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's happening when people are giving that advice too. You know, it's coming from a loving place. They want this for you. Um, they're, they're trying to be supportive and they don't know how, and they're trying to find the language. And that's right. why when we're talking about this, you know, that awareness, I think helps people connect differently about how to support people, you know, in a more meaningful way. Can we talk, uh, we touched on it a little bit, but I would really like to talk a little bit about what I'm going to term PTSD mm -hmm. in terms of having your cycle, going through that grieving process. And then if I could take it a little um, step further, mm -hmm. the guest that I'm having on next week, um, even after she would have a positive pregnancy test, there was a little bit of a wall built up mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. fear of experiencing that loss again. And then even yeah. after yeah. her daughter was born, there was still a like, I, I'm unsure how yeah. this is going to go. And I don't want to experience that pain again. So can we talk a little bit? I think it just might be validating for women out there to know that they're normal and they're not, you know, kind of losing it of going through this continual grief process. Absolutely. Um, you know, it is something that we do, that I do diagnose um, in, in my practice, um, post-traumatic, you know, stress disorder. Um, and, and so, depending on the length of the fertility journey and, you know, kind of what, Kind of transpired um, in, in, in terms of you know miscarriages or treatments and, and all of that you know that can depend you know kind of um, impact how intense the, the trauma um, you know registers but it is traumatic nevertheless um, and we you know def I define trauma as you know an extreme emotional charge that you know that really impacts one sense of emotional functioning so mm -hmm. we will see um, you know Pregnancy after loss is, is a very, you know, there's a higher levels of anxiety for sure. Um, and there's no guarantee, you know, just like once you transition into parenthood that those feelings of, you know, anxiety or hypervigilance around, you know, just there's, there's an angst. Um, yeah, that, right, right, right. You know, for lack of a better way of saying it, that's just there. And it impacts the ability to kind of bond, you know. Right. With, so the child is here and it doesn't mean that the anxiety goes away. Right. And so that's where I think therapy can be really helpful in helping to reprocess some of that. Right. Um, and there's um, actually a trauma modality that I actually went to get trained in um, to, to, to help with that because, um, you know, trauma resonates in the body. Um, yes. And one of the things that we know with women in particular in the infertility world um, that levels of anxiety or depression will spike around year two or three. Um, and so, and then what we're also seeing is just more instances of traumatic kind of experiences, difficulty in going to the doctor's offices, um, triggers, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot about triggers that women will have or couples will have, you know, to baby announcements or young children, um, you know, um, seeing pictures of, of children, um, seeing pregnant women can, can be triggering. And so the experience is really Mother's about Day. Mother's Day, Father's Day, yeah. um, any major holiday that is family oriented is another trigger. And so the, 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 the therapy modality of the EMDR that I do is about reprocessing those experiences to, to kind of help buffer that a, a little bit um, if, if they're in the journey. And then afterwards, you know, that's where I think a deeper level of reprocessing can kind of help, help 
people. Um, you know what's yeah. crazy, Dr. Lori and, and Liz? Yeah. We're watching, our, our Patreon's watching live. We got a little bit under 500 people in here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like peeking at the comments and so many of the women in just this small section of the audience are talking about what they've dealt with. And that's mm-hmm. just the people who are watching live yeah. and feel comfortable talking about right. it which means like that number amongst our community is so much higher, but it's not something that is talked talked about about kind of publicly at all. There's a couple of friends of ours who we talked about it, but they, they don't really talk about it publicly because it's a, it's a difficult thing. And therefore people I can see end up making the same kind of unintended comments that hurt because you don't, you're not as aware of, this is an offensive thing. This is a hurtful right. thing because right. you don't, you don't, you don't talk about it that much. Right. And then maybe somebody had that issue and then they were able to conceive later and you're like, Oh, you guys are pregnant. Congratulations. And they're in their head. They're probably like, well, you don't even know right. what we right. had to go through. And, and then somebody else is dealing with not still not getting to that point. And it's, it's yeah. a lot just today, yeah. you know, yeah. and I've seen these fans a lot. And had we have never talked about this, I don't think I would have ever even thought about, you know, the women in our audience who, who've suffered from this or are continuing to suffer from this. Yeah. And it just, it, it brings up the sense of guardedness that you have to, you know, to bring, you know, this, the sense of protection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't allow myself to get too attached to this next pregnancy. And, you know, and I can definitely identify with that, you know, with my second pregnancy, I would, you know, I was just, um, Ugh, there was so much anxiety around, am I going to keep this baby? And then when I kind of made, you know, made it past the first milestone, the first trimester, and you get into the second trimester, you're like, okay, well, maybe I can let my guard down. And then, you know, then there are other things that kind of popped up and I ended up losing that one. And so it's like each successive loss means, you know, can kind of correlates to higher levels of anxiety around, you know, is this going to happen for me? And then when your body is living in this, again, hypervigilant kind of tense state around pregnancy, that's not necessarily conducive to, you know, so it's a, it's a lot. There's a, there's a huge assault that ends up happening to to your spirit. And so, you know, making sure that you're connected to a community of people that can hold that space for you is key. You know, I, my tribe, you know, and I still talk to my tribe. Um, and, uh, you know, they were they were there from the very beginning, and they're still here. Um, you know, a lot of us have had various losses along the way. Um, a lot of us have gone on to, to have children and a couple of us haven't yet, you know, and, but still, it's, it's that level of support. So please make sure that, you know, if you're going through this, make sure you're going to a place where you feel seen. Um, and that you feel supported and you can talk about the ugliest thoughts that you might have um, that you might not feel comfortable sharing because somebody's like, oh my gosh, you know, but you know what? I, it's, it's, it's normal. Yeah. It's normal. I want to take a moment uh, to kind of just sit on this moment when you were talking about Mother's Day and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. as a trigger, seeing kids or pregnancy announcements or whatever that could possibly mm-hmm. be a trigger. I think it's really important for people to know that that's okay if it's a trigger. I think a lot of times you want to put on the ha- I'm happy for you. I am. And I'm sure you are. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Genuinely happy. But it is that that coexisting of I'm happy for you. And this is also a sobering realization of the truth of my situation. Right. And that can bring on sadness. And that's okay. Yeah. And it's yeah. normal for those things to coexist. Yes. 
it's normal for those things to coexist. And I'm going to add to the list of triggering events, baby showers. Um, and because yeah, like I should be happy for you. And, um, and I, you know, always advise people that you can be happy and, you know, support people from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you are, you know, going to an event and you're, you know, feeling triggered and you're about to cry, that's not necessarily helpful either. <laughs> so making sure that you have some kind of strategy to, um, to deal with that. If you are feeling, you know, um, if you're feeling, uh, you know, triggered and I call that pivoting because you just never know when it's going to come up, um, you know, and, or just even conversation, just innocent conversation. And then people, it starts to veer off into talking about other people's children. Um, and you could be thinking you're in a good space and then all of a sudden it's just like oop. and so you just have to really worry about yeah. you know figure that out um and uh and, and be okay with it and know that you know what it, it's just normal it, your body is having a reaction and let's go with that as opposed to trying to suppress it yeah I, that's so good to uh, learning to honor however you're feeling in that moment instead of mm -hmm. trying to put on a mask mm -hmm. and trying to be you know something that you're actually not feeling in the moment yeah. i think that's so so key and so important one of the other things that you talked about in terms of coexisting is this idea of happiness and set and um anxiety so when you even going back to you know it's a uh, egg day i think is what you called it or something like that yeah and so this idea of like having excitement that this is a possibility and then there's also a possibility that this won't happen and then the same thing of taking the pregnancy test and having mm -hmm. your period and um having a bit like all of those things coexisting can you i think it would be good to validate those feelings for people that are going through that as well it's a very, I mean, and, and I think that's also a, a very, a theme that I like to, you know, mention in my, my work with people. It's just, you know, you get really good at validating feelings that don't necessarily go together. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so you just learn how to ride that wave and however you ride it is how you need to do it. And, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so you can feel excitement and you can feel a little bit, you know, kind of anxious. And so let's focus, you know, where would you like to focus, you know, and, and draw that attention as, as, as best you can, but not beat yourself up because you, you're struggling with it too. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it's so individualized. It's so individualized. So good. Uh, I want to see if there were any, well, first of all, did, was there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to talk to talk about? And I think if you don't mind, I, maybe if I have a, a question from the audience, we can pull yeah. it and then ask. Okay. So Patreon, if you have a topic, remember she's mental health. So I can't get too deep into the um, biology stuff. That will be another um, guest. Uh, or two other guests, actually. But if you have mental health questions, definitely pose them. And then I will give you the floor to kind of just lay out anything that we haven't touched on. Okay. For you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what might be good, too? If uh, You were talking about the groups that you have, the mental health groups that you have. Can you maybe give some resources to people as well as we're thinking of the questions? Yes. So um, one you know, resource um, that I think is good is Resolve. It is the National Infertility Association. And so that is kind of the, um, the, the big group for helping people in the infertility community. Um, then there are other, I think, groups on, on Facebook. Um, there's the, the Broken Brown Egg. Um, I think 
think she's actually on Instagram. And then there's Black Women in Infertility. Um, but there are a whole host of, you know, kind of, those are the, the, the resources initially that come to mind about, you know, the nice go-to places, you know, for for that. And then there also, actually, there's the IVF Warrior on, on Instagram. She's amazing. Yeah. Yes. I reached out to her to actually come on um, and she recommended somebody. I don't remember who, but yeah, she is IVF warrior. I started following her trying to get more adept mm-hmm. into this field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely, definitely. And so, um, because I, you know, I think that, um, and also there's the fertility tribe is, is a good one. Um, them too. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see. Who else do I follow? I follow a bunch of therapists right now too. So I think it's, um, you know, there are just, those are, I think that's where I would start um, for, for some support and, and also just encouraging people not, not to um, shy away from doing their individual work and their, you know, making sure that they find a personal therapist to connect with um, because there are, you know, I think, you know, therapy for black girls um, or black female therapists or other two referral sources that would be really good for more specific mental health, um, you know, issues as well. Okay. Got it. We have one really great question that I want to ask. Can you go back? Um, how do you express to family about your triggers where you aren't sounding bitter or unexcited for family? That's so, actually a good one for friends or family. It's a great, it's a great question. And I think just making sure that your language is rooted in I statements. So, you know, I'm feeling really triggered or first of all, you know, Thank you so much for your concern. I can see that you're really trying to be supportive. Um, one of the things that I find triggering is, um, and you know, and hopefully that they're receptive to that. Um, you know, most family members or friends are, um, and if they're not, then I think you might need to take it a little step further and just say, you know what, I'm just not necessarily comfortable talking about this, or I'm feeling triggered, and then you might need to, to pivot. So just being aware of when your need to pivot is, um, but also making sure that you're stating what your needs are clearly for, for whomever you're talking to. Listen, what you just said is boundaries, ma'am. And yeah. I think just in general, we struggle with establishing yeah. boundaries. And yes. it almost feels rude saying, yes. hey, I appreciate your concern. I know you're coming from you know a place of love, but... Yes. Yes. Hard, but I don't think we do good with boundaries at all. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. And so even just in the way you said that, I I think that I love modeling, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the easiest ways for people to learn is to copy and paste. She said this, I like it. I'm going to copy it and use it in my real life. So the idea of saying, thank you. I know this is coming from a place of love, but I'm feeling really triggered right now. I'm going to need to pivot. I'm going to need to leave. I'm going to, you know, I love you. you. This is great. But (laughs) I think that type of modeling gives people the opportunity to express their boundaries and have, you know, establish how they're really feeling with their people. And then it just helps us to like, okay, like we need to do better about accepting, acknowledging and being okay with someone established, like honoring folks, their, their boundaries, folks. You really need to. You, you need to, and, and, and don't tell people how they need to feel about certain things, yes. um, you know, because I think the other thing we struggle with as a community in general is this kind of toxic positivity where, you know, you have to be positive regardless. Mm. And when toxic you're going positivity, eh? yes. yes, I'm actually working on that. Toxic I feel like masculinity I'm familiar with. Yes. Well, can you explain what it is a little bit more so people are for sure? 
Yeah. So the way I understand toxic positivity or experience it is, um, you know, it's the sense of being positive without, you know, like by any means necessary. Like right. you always have to focus on a sense of gratitude, you know, or turning whatever negative feeling into a positive one. And in theory, that's a great idea, but not when it undermines your ability to process the negative emotion. So, you know, cause what doesn't get honored intensifies. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come out in some funky ways if you don't do that. So oh, that was um, good. What doesn't get honored intensifies mm-hmm. that part, that part. And so, um, and this journey will teach you, you need to lean into those ugly thoughts and those ugly feelings in order to, um, you know, in order to take the power out of them. And so, you know, one example that's coming to my head around toxic positivity, you know, that happens within some of the circles in the fertility world is, oh, you need to be happy for someone. She got pregnant, blah, 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 or what have you. And, you know, meanwhile, someone's struggling with, with, with jealousy and anger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. No, you get to feel however you need to feel. Don't tell somebody how, you know, do not tell them how they need to feel. Their feelings are their feelings for a reason. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, and that can happen with friends and family as well. And so, again, you kind of, you know, draw that boundary. This is how I'm feeling right now. And I'm going to honor it, you know, and I invite you to as well. And if not, I, you know, that's on you, but I'm, you know, this is what I need to do for me. And this is why therapy is important because everyone isn't ready to hear those real emotions that you're feeling. And honestly, everyone shouldn't have the privilege of hearing all of that. You you don't have to share that with everyone, but you do need someone, a safe space to get those feelings out and then to work through them so you can find yourself right. on you know, the other side. And it'll help you recognize what your triggers are. Uh-uh, I can't go there, girl, because that's I already can see. So let me just say <laughs> my rub. Tape forward on yeah, the I'm going to just well, stay at the house. I'm going to send you a little Target gift card. Merry Christmas, happy birthday, exactly. all the things. But I got to stay here today. <laughs> exactly. Happy birthday and Merry exactly. Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> Happy everything, but no. Exactly. Also, but no. Yeah, I think that's so important and, and really, really great um, boundaries. Uh, someone else asked, how do you support a loved one going through this struggle without overstepping? And maybe we just talked a, a little bit about that, but I think that's, a, I think that's really good for us. Like that. I think that's really good for the people that have, part of the reason I wanted to do this is because there's a statistic out about one in four one in four women will um, will suffer from a miscarriage. And, and go ahead, go ahead. And one, and one in eight couples will struggle with fertility, or might it might have actually gone? Um, it might have increased to one in six couples struggle with infertility. That's quite a Dang. bit. And if you've asked me today, how many people? Well, maybe not today because now I, I know a little bit better. But how many people do I know that have struggled with this? I'd be like, girl, not that many. Nobody mm-hmm. I know. And the mm-hmm. fact is, is that they are out there struggling. They're just silent. Right. They're, exactly. It's just right. not giving a voice to it. And so that's part of the reason I wanted to do this is because give people the space to feel seen, feel validated, yeah. recognize that this is going on. And then also educate myself on what are the things we can say? What are the appropriate things to say to be there for someone as they're going through this journey? So I, I think it, it's going to be so individualized, um, but I think the person who's going through it, I, I want to give them permission to ask for what they need and to mm-hmm. kind of state how comfortable they are talking about their journey as well. Um, there might be an initial kind of awkward period where, you know, you're just trying to figure out what the boundaries are, but I think, it, you know, it's okay for a loved one to ask, you know, 
how, how are you doing? How did your cycle go? Um, or, you know, where are you, you know, where are you all in, in the process? You know, if the couple is, is open to it and if they, but if they've told you that, you know what, we'll, we will be the ones to initiate information about mm -hmm. it, then, you know, I would just steer clear of asking them directly and would just say, Hey, I'm thinking of you guys, um, you know, I'm just making some extra food. I'm going to bring something by, um, you know, and just be that ear. Um, there's a lot that can, you know, that there's a lot of support that can be felt from just saying, you know what, I'm here for you to listen, you know, talk, can you, you can share what, what is this like for you? Yeah. That's good. One of yeah. someone was talking about just have faith. And I even want to say, oh, I'm about to make up a term. Okay, Dr. Lori, let me know if it's true. It ain't because I just made it up. <laughs> Toxic religion. Yes. Toxic okay. religion? Meaning just have faith. I believe Toxic that can waste. be um weaponized or i don't really know the right word that i'm looking for but i don't know you don't think i have faith girl like for real i think but i feel like i would imagine feeling i'm trying to be very empathetic and put myself in that in their shoes and i would imagine you don't think i prayed for this right right girl you don't think i thought the father's face exactly exactly listen yes that is a very real Thing. I mean, you know, just pray about it. Just pray about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and God's we, timing. We pray. God's timing. That's another thing that's not helpful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we, we prayed a lot. We right. prayed a lot. And, um, you know, we, you know, sought counsel, the couples have sought, you know, like everybody who's in the situation has done everything right. And so that becomes another element. Um, so please don't say that um, because when also can, it, it starts to, you know, make people question their sense of faith. Mm. And, um, and then that's a whole nother conversation that, that, yeah. that can impact the mental health piece. But also I start to kind of like, Hey, let's bring in your pastor around this too, to help normalize, you know, and help you kind of stay connected. Because I do believe that religion is a very grounding and organizing element but you know let's not weaponize it as you it said like absolutely be weaponized yeah so, you know like someone's not you know praying well enough or doesn't have enough faith and you know and that's and, and there's enough kind of um there are enough me negative messages that people are walking around with that you know what they're not being a good christian or, you know yeah. it's not and that needs to happen in this at all we need to you know uplift so you know i think you're just safer just saying you know what i'm here for you or how just how are you you know, like how are you allows people to answer at their level of comfort exactly without saying, let's talk about something that you might because, you know, assuming someone wants to talk about it and that they want to talk about it with you is a big assumption to begin with. You know what I mean? Exactly. So saying exactly. how are you allows people to be like, oh, I'm good. I'm not good or I'm good, but I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And then exactly. respecting that answer. And be, yes, respecting that answer, being prepared for the answer and respecting it you know, it is key, is key. And then when they give you that information or they respond, then you kind of respond based on that, you know? Yeah. So if they give you a little bit more information, wow, that must be really hard for you. Tell me more about that if you feel comfortable. If you feel comfortable. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, I think I, this was a lot of information. I, <laughs> I hope that the 
impact on the people that are going through this journey is one of validation, is one of being seen. And for those of you, us, me, on the outside looking in, that we recognize that there is a whole silent struggle, a whole yeah. silent journey going on. And it is our, um, I feel a responsibility to do right by those people and offering yeah. a voice to them and standing next to them as um, a sense of support, as a support system. Yeah. Because it's not something that I've experienced, but that doesn't mean I can't, you know, offer my platform as a voice. Thank you. Um, Did you want to add anything else, Dr. Lori? Uh, you know, I, I, we, we definitely talked a lot about, I mean, just so many different things. And so, I, you know, I just, um, I'm just really appreciative of you all um, creating the space um, because the conversations are really, you know, the, are the basis for changes in behavior. We can't change what we don't know. And, you know, we can't change what we don't know. And I just want to encourage people to lean into the discomfort. So if you're on the side of this fertility journey, lean into it. The community is here. Um, you know, we are here to support you. And if you have somebody who is um, struggling and you just don't know how, lean into that discomfort too. Don't get hope, you know, don't get kind of bogged down with, oh my gosh, I need to say the right thing or I'm going to mess up or whatever. But how you continue to show up matters. That's good. That's great. That's good. Um, Do you offer, well, I'm sure you do, but let me not assume, uh, but in the world of COVID, do you offer uh, online virtual therapy sessions? Okay. Can you offer or give the people your Instagram and where they can find you if someone is interested in reaching out to you? Absolutely. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Lori Johnson, um, D-R-L-O-R-E-E, and then Johnson, common spelling. Um, Or you can uh, look at my website, drlorijohnson.com. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for not just offering your experience as um, on a personal level, but also offering your expertise in the field of being a coach, a therapist in this world of infertility. So- and thank you for soothing voiceness. It was very comforting <laughs> to my soul. It's like warm cocoa on a cold winter's day. <laughs> we love it. Oh, thank you. Thank um, and you. then the last thing I want to say, if you're listening to this episode on any one of our platforms, and you are one in four and you feel comfortable, say that you are one in four and let's flood those people with all of the love and the likes to let them know that we are there with them and we are supporting them and our thoughts and prayers are with them and we're not here to... Um, but not in the way like Republicans say after gun violence. Well, we're, also, we're not here to gaslight you, child. We're not here to gaslight you. We don't really want to. We really, yeah, we really want to hopefully offer a voice to some of the silent pain that you may going through. So thank you again so much. Uh, That's it. Make sure that you join us for next week and have a tissue handy for the whole month child have a tissue handy and okay the love hour conference is, is and the tomorrow. love hour conference is tomorrow tickets are still available at the love that's it that's all bye, bye. bye.